taking the weight off his feet down to a well-sophisticated black leather sofa trying to read novels, one could sometimes think it is as luxurious as it is seen to a physical being. But it gave a comforting cushion to make him reverse a bit of moment which has gone bad and good at those decades ago while he was a boy. Those moments tend to play a bigger part in human's life to be who he is by then though somewhere a bitter taste to feel on their present. He always believes God is all around to everyone who believes and works towards his reverie and wishes. Is that nice to think and write about those memories to stay in the manuscripts? It all says life linger for no man even cowards cannot come off as they always walk away from life challenges. But it is always true that passion and patience can take a great influence to better heights, he thought. Another twist of his life was about to happen in time soon. A huge step to be taken, taking responsibility for life, but it won't shift some past hectic moments of secretly admiring someone from those boyhood ages. A secret admirer whom he thought was a propeller shaft of love but faint-hearted feelings put down his mouth lid. How would it be to vouch for a girl at that young age? He never got the answer, he only got the answer at his young adult stage. Feelings can be deceptive sometimes what they perceive as love may be another emotion. Rather actions cannot be mistaken as he did. It was filled with a young heart to perfect the principle of love. It hurts at those days though it made him a future man to look for what he needed in his whole life. It has been inspiring to shift off his mind from the issues of today as some only bring misery as they are present. As soon as he began writing, he soon realized that he knew very little about the details of his love of those ages. But he hopes everyone would aid in their better understanding of how certain teachings and ideals had been handed down through generations. As far as he remembered, the first house he was living in when he got to Maypatang Lakoting, 1992, the one he was raised till his 22 or more, is still spoken of as his own and currently existing though no one can live now. At times he referred back to it as his home place. It wasn't the better house that his kids would believe he came from it, he thought. Since he was that young, he remembers only a few things which took place while he lived there. There was no water taps, electricity. He never thought life could be better to see himself switch some plugs on in the room he was living. There were only hopeless dreams in his veins seeing himself living in a tiled room with a wall unit in the kitchen. Sleeping on a double bed was an inexistent statement in his vocabulary. He was contented to everything Matankiso, his mother was offering through her hard work as a domestic worker in South Africa. Those old paraffin stoves helped him see life on both sides and never turn his back to those who grow up in the same situation as his. Those noisy paraffin stoves were all his mother could afford. Even though Matata's elder brothers and sisters liked thorough cleaning, they only put their shinning pots and dishes on a stand made of two big bricks on the other side and plank door placed on them to make a good stand to place pots and crockery, covered with a different huge duvet cover which his mother took when they were dispersed away by her boss to decorate. He did not even know what it would be like to seat on a kitchen scheme in those days. He only went through such comfort when he visited his uncle. Imagine the family with a huge yard full of fruit trees next to his home with dogs that no one would pass by without being attacked by them, it was always a threat to him. Sometimes he wouldn't even go there if ever his brothers asked him to beg for May's meal. There is nobody. Was his everyday excuse to them. He was really scared of dogs. There were four young girls of his age at the time though three were older about three to four years except for Sebenzile Sebe, Shabalala, a tiny little girl with her short grayish hair and brown eyes, the eyes that were only brightened when she shouts contender. She liked short hair like Matata though she was a girl. And Matata's brothers thought Sebe was a lesbian though she still had every woman's character and behavior. Accompanying other girls was never her hobby at all, she would always be in boys' groups. Matata and Sebe were kids from the same neighborhood, playing together was not just for the fun of it but passionate togetherness as neighboring kids were automatically subsisted. Matata always thought Sebe was cute and funny. 
What he didn't know was that Sebe's mother was single as his mom. Her mother worked in South Africa, like his mom. Those entire thoughtful minds inspired Matata to sit down and started writing about his exciting childhood life. It is inspiring to remember some of one's lifestyle at those early ages though some tend to be some stories untold to the public. Anyway, all those gleams at the present might brought unacquainted candidate in the next level of life, but a pure gold always has to pass through a hot furnace. Oh, yes. Even though he was that a little boy barely of his age, when they had lived in Lakoting village for more than seven and a half years, he was no longer just a little kid but he was getting older. His ears were getting bigger also. He began hearing about the sweethearts of his elder brothers. Sebe was 13 years old the same as his age and was the very one to explain to him. One night after his brother lashed him very severely accused him of late arrival at home from playing on the other side of the village, Sebe was with him that late trying to play in the yard. Their moment she heard him crying in the house, she came swiftly trying to catch hold of Matata's brother but it was no need as she did not have that power. Rather she was then beaten too. They both cried outside loud trying to seek attention from Sebe's grandma, fortunately, no one heard while Matata's brothers ignored everything. Matata. Why don't you come home with me? She requested. It was a bad day for both of us, but worst of all to Matata. He did not reply. She was the propeller shaft of that vengeance, he thought. Head shaking was the only interchange she could see he didn't want to go with her. She insisted more and more but nothing changed the situation, Matata's mindset. That was the day Matata thought his brothers hated him so much. How he beat me in front of girls? He imagined. Sebe went alone to her home without even saying goodbye. He slept so early that night without eating dinner but full of hatred. The hatred which took him by a surprise, he never woke up during the night. Midnight panic thoughts made him awake on the unknown time to him though it was still dark in the room. That specific hour, he eavesdropped his brother's chat about their girlfriends with the hope to acquire their secrets, so he could use against them to mom when she came home. Everyone was explaining though some of them he tends to understand them lately of his age. He was always wondering why they used to chat at night. He understood it all from big boys. From their elderly conversation, he used to hear them mention I love her, she's my sweetheart though he did not know when to say those words. They keep haunting him whether he could ask one of them the following day. I heard their chat. I have to let mom know what they always do during absence. They always go with the girl and kiss them. He softly whispered to himself. Some days and weeks passed by, he avoided meeting the neighboring friends as he thought he was beaten because of them. It all took Matata to stay within the yard through the love of soccer also made his heart poured out when he saw others went for games. Those days football was enjoyable with barefoot than these days of racism football and wrestling sport. Hey, Matata! The voice loudly called, he jumped quickly trying to resuscitate his life from the quick danger he did not know where it came from. Ah! I got you! Why? Why are you doing this Sebe? I, I nearly fade right here. Where did you come from? You scared me. Ha ha ha, ha 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 ha. What, I never thought you were such a coward. Ha 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 ha. She can't even wake from the floor. Get up Sebe, there is something I want to ask you if ever you have a glue of it. Go take a bench in the house and don't forget a spoon. You can't eat milk with bare hands silly girl. She hurriedly was going in the house to take them while Matata was trying to make him comfortable after such frightening moments. What do you want to ask me Matata? Sebe asked as she was preparing to make herself comfortable on the bench, at least you know me better than anybody here. These five years since knowing each other is enough to say you know me. What is the gist of conversation now Sebe, can't you settle down and listen to what I am going to ask you? 
but it took him a while to utter a word rather kept silent as there were no words on how to ask her that. He thought she would oversee what exactly was in his eyes deep down to his innocent heart that he was always depicting. It also took him some minutes in a hectic case court which it needs solid evidence to judge and agree to the solution of it. Hey! Matata! You said there is something to ask me. What is it now? She solicited. You look bored. Am I the cause of your boredom since frightening you boy? She laughed, sorry if I messed your day, I was trying to play with you. Seriously, I am sorry. No. You are not the cause, but I was trying to keep quiet so you see it's time to eat then talk later when we are done. So you know you are speedy. He paused a bit while dipping his spoon in their basin. That's how I am, you exactly know me. There is nothing I can do serious. But you don't treat me well, am I talking that much? Asked Sebe. Sebe. Where are you going now? I, I was not trying to chagrin you, I was playing with you. She went away, leaving Matata on the bench alone. What has gone wrong? It was left unanswered as she was the person to answer it. It was because Matata didn't tell her what she wanted to hear. Only a huge encumbrance swallowed Matata's happy moments to spend with Sebe today because of spineless phenomena. It took Matata the whole Friday wishing to see her come again, talking, and playing together as it was a normal view everyone knew it. His wishes did not turn as expected. He significantly felt more boredom in my heart. Pusillanimous ones always shadowed their happiness as they always hold conferences in the head when they are about to take action to what they thought can bring peace of mind to them. Rather focus on their side effects though they do not even experience any of them, Matata had the same feeling that she was not going anywhere and he will still have her since she is living close to him. It took that weekend without seeing each other. Sebe visited her relatives on the other side of Lakoting village for a weekend waiting for Sunday to come for a church service. She was apostolic by religion. Matata spends the whole weekend lonely though he was playing with his elder brother. There was neither Tsepo nor Sebe. It seemed as he was in the darkness and friends were nowhere to be found. He seemed unhappy spending a day with his neighbor, they were like twins together, Matata always enjoyed her company though they always argue. They spend most of their time arguing about school work as they always competed. Sebe was attending at Sion Primary while Matata was at Maypatang Primary. She was the closest friend Matata ever had at an early age. It was their last year as primary students but very hectic as both of them wanted to be the best and the hero of the day when the results came out. All of those came to Matata's mind on the last Sunday evening, the weekend Sebe was at her relatives, Mat Shabalala, she did not come back. Matata kept glancing outside endeavoring to catch a glimpse of Sebe's arrival but only the darkness was seen on their premises. Who would be Matata's company in the morning to school? What exactly did he do to her? What is happening to her? None of them was answered. Minutes, hours, and even seconds gone, it was late that she could arrive from her relatives. Continued. Chapter 3 Monday dawn came very healthily as it has been the day everyone was waiting for since the emergence of the year, class 7 students specifically. Matata was one of them. He woke up that early day preparing for the day to school together with his sister and brother. It was fantastic but hectic in the morning, they did not have paraffin to fuel their prima stove. His sister prepared hot water outside firewood using two-liter bottles they used to buy sour milk at the supermarket. There were no man-made containers normally used but only two pots which both filled with food. Those did not change his mood as a happy boy who was going to write his final examinations. The examinations which were supposed to be marked elsewhere, neither of his teachers would have a chance to mark even a single sheet. They were told their revision weeks. Matata was very late for school that morning, and he was anxious about being scolded, especially by Sir Malup, 
the principal at Maypatang Primary then, had told them he should examine them at assembly. He did not know the first thing about it. For a moment he thought of staying away from school and wandering about the examinations. Mr. Malup's punishments were so severe that no one could forget it anyhow, making a student crawl down four-legged and beat the body at the back. Though Matata feared to go to school, it was such a warm and lovely day. He could hear the blackbirds whistling at the edge of the wood behind school toilets. All that was much more tempting to him than the rules concerning participles, but he had the strength to resist, and he ran as fast as he could to school. As he passed the principal's office, he saw that people were standing at the little board on which notices were posted. He thought it was students gathered to be punished for late arrival, he thought without stopping trying to escape and mingle with other students. What can it be now? Then, as he ran across the square, Sir Kumalo, who stood there with his apprentice, reading the notice, called him. Don't hurry so, my boy, you'll get to your school soon enough. Matata thought that Sir Kumalo was making fun of him, and he ran into another group of students in the little yard all out of breath. Habitually, at the beginning of school, there was a great uproar which could be heard in the roads near the assembly, desks opening and closing, lessons repeated aloud in unison, with their ears stuffed to learn quicker before exams, and the teacher's stout ruler beating on the desk. A little quieter. Matata counted on all the noise to reach his desk unnoticed, but as it happened, that day everything was quiet, like a Sunday morning. Through the open window were his comrades already in their places, and Madame Samana walking back and forth with the terrible iron ruler under her arm. Matata had no open the door and enter, amid that perfect silence. Imagine whether he blushed and whether he was afraid. But no. Madame Samana looked at him with no sign of anger and said very gently. Go at once to your seat, my little boy, we were going to begin without you. He stepped over the bench and sat down at once at his desk. Not until then, when he had partly recovered from the fright, did he notice that their teacher had on his handsome blue coat, his plated ruff, and the black silk embroidered breeches, which she wore only on days of inspection or of examinations. Moreover, there was something extraordinary, something solemn about the whole class. But what surprised Matata most was to see at the back of the room, on the benches which were usually empty, some people from the village sitting, as silent as they were, old ex-teacher with his three-cornered hat, pastor and others besides. They all seemed depressed, and a former teacher had brought an old spelling book with knot edges, which he held wide open on his knee, with his great spectacle skew whiff. While Matata was wondering at all those, their principal had mounted his platform, and in the same gentle and serious voice with which he had welcomed him, he said to them, My children, this is the last time that I shall teach you. Orders have come from the Ministry of Education to teach nothing but give you ample time to relax and wait for your examination hour mark to write your final exams this year and the exams that will take you to higher schools than primary and some of you we will never meet as you will be from different schools. This is the last class in revision, so I beg you to be very attentive. We will be writing the Sosotho language after our lunch. Those few words overwhelmed everyone in the class. And Matata barely knew how to read faster in every examination. So he should never learn. He must stop short where he was. How angry he was with himself because of the time he had wasted, the lessons he had missed, running about after nests. His books, which only a moment before he thought so tiresome, so heavy to carry his grammar seemed to him now like old friends, from whom he should be grieved to part. And it was the same about their teachers. The thought that we were going away from that school and its teachers, that he should never see his beloved principal again, made him forget the punishments, the blows with the ruler. Poor man. It was in honor of that last lesson that he had put on his fine Sunday clothes, Matata understood now why those old fellows from the village were sitting at the end of the room. It seemed to mean that they regretted not having come more often to the school. 
it was also a way of thanking teachers for their faithful services, and of paying their respects to the fatherland which was vanishing. Matata was at that point in his reflections when he heard his name called. It was his turn to recite. What would he not have given to be able to say from beginning to end that famous rule about participles, in a loud, distinct voice, without a slip? But he got mixed up at first, and he stood there swaying against his desk, with a full heart, afraid to raise his head. The principal speaking to him. I will not scold you, my little child, you must be punished enough, that is the way it goes, every day we say to ourselves, Shaw. I have time enough. I will learn tomorrow. And then you see what happens. We all have our fair share of reproaches to address to ourselves. Read loud boy. His confidence ran dry. He even ashamed to look at his classmates who were very quiet and listening attentively to their colleague, Matata was very angry at himself. He never glanced at the principal's face. I disappointed my teacher so much but he has to understand I am scared of people behind us, he thought. When the lesson was at an end, they passed to writing. For that day, the principal had prepared some entirely new examples on which was written in a fine, round hand, good luck, good luck. They were like little flags, waving all about the class, hanging from the rods of pupils' desks. One could have seen how hard students all worked and how silent it was. Nothing could be heard save the grinding of the pens over the paper. At one time some cockchafers flew in, but no one paid any attention to them, not even the little fellows who were struggling with their straight lines, with a will and conscientious application. On the roof of the schoolhouse, doves cooed in low tones, and Matata said to himself as he listened to them. I wish they can know how disturbing they are with their noise. From time to time, when he raised his eyes from his paper, he saw Principal sitting motionless in his chair and staring at the whole room as they were busy on their first paper as he wished to carry away in his glance the whole of his little schoolhouse. However, he dared to keep the class to the end. After the writing, then the little ones sang all together with the ba, be, by, Bo, boo. On the other rooms, young little kids had put spelling books in their hands, they spelt out the letters with them. Suddenly the church clock struck twelve, at the same moment, other students put their papers and pencils down as the signal that they have finished off their work. My friends, Mr. Malup said, my friends. But something suffocated him. He could not finish the sentence. Thereupon he turned to the blackboard, took a piece of chalk, and, bearing on with all his might, he wrote in the capital letters. Time is up. Then he stood there, with his head resting against the wall, and without speaking, he motioned to the students with his hand. That is all, go. As for the students, everything went well to their first examination though some of them were going to miss Sir Malup with his punishment he was as good as no other teacher at Maypateng Primary. They then got up from their desk then submitted their answer sheets. They all left the examination room. It was a tense moment to students and even other teachers, everyone from both entities wanted a success after their hard work since the beginning of the year, 1999. But it took Matata some few minutes to get to Cyan Primary waiting to see Sebe as it was their norm. He was proud of the question papers he has written a few minutes later. That day it was even more interesting and special to meet her to discuss how she wrote her examinations for the first day. He waited and waited for some other more minutes without seeing any. The tall boy more than Matata, said to him in an undertone, that makes you squint, eh? Well, I will tell you where they are to be found if you want. It was Kautanol, a boy living at Hakotso. Who are you talking about? Matata quickly replied and never hesitate to mom. Aren't you waiting for your friends from Lakoting? No. Do you know Sebenzile Shabalala? I'm waiting for her. You mean that silly thin girl? Let me call her for you, she was sweeping in class 7. 
he ran by the gate to do as promised while Matata was waiting eagerly to see her as the company home. It was so nice seeing her approaching with her school bag behind her back as the indication of leaving school for the day. When the game was on the climax, she was here next to Matata greeting him as they normally do and leave the school to home. They both went home discussing their experiences and the feeling of the final examinations. Sebe and Matata were both excited as they heard them being as easy as any other day though it was just a blink of an eye to reaching home. They then separated into their different homes for the day. They spend the whole week meeting every day after school and doing the same. But the fact that they both know that no one wanted to be under the belt of the other, they studied every subject that was going to be written the following day at home. They both fall in love with that togetherness and the company as well. It was seen as more enjoyable to Sebe than Matata. Whenever she wanted to study, she always goes to Matata's home with books they were going to use for the day. Sebe's notebooks seemed to be cleaner and well handwritten unlike Matata's. Some of his books did not have those hardcovers outside and his handwriting was illegible compared to Sebe's. 